Hello and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. Come back every second Monday to hear new episodes and subscribe in iTunes or add the show to your RSS feed in order to automatically get downloads as soon as a new episode gets released. For more information, detailed show notes and links, you can visit soundofthemoment.com and as usual, if you feel like supporting the show, the best way to do that is to go into iTunes and give it a favorable star rating or a review. Um, you can also do that on Stitcher if you happen to use that app, and this will boost the podcast visibility, and hopefully it helps more listeners like you to find it. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver, and you can also go to Facebook and like the Sound of the Moment page. This is episode number 11 for the 12th of March 2018. My guest for this show is Felix Schlamann, who, besides all his work as a drummer and band leader, also happens to be the founder and organizer of Jazzfest Amsterdam. I thought it would be interesting to have him on to discuss, amongst other things, this year's edition of the festival that will be taking place this coming Saturday, the 17th of March 2018, for those of you that are listening to this as it comes out. But um, before we get to that discussion, let's hear some music from Felix. Um, This is from his quintet album, Counterlife. It features Felix on drums alongside Floris van der Flucht on bass clarinet, Lars Dietrich on alto saxophone, Franz von Schossi on piano, and for the first time in the history of this podcast, it's me playing the bass on this recording. The tune is called Landscapes.
my guest today is the drummer, composer, band leader, um, and also organizer and booker of Amsterdam Jazz Fest, Felix Schlamann. Felix, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for inviting. Um, well, I always start by asking my guests if they could introduce themselves a bit, talk about your background, who you are and stuff. Um, you never know who, whether people are familiar you, with you or not. So, yeah. Well, um, I'm Felix Schlamann and um, I'm a drummer, a jazz drummer, and uh, I uh, went to Amsterdam to study jazz drums at the conservatory um, after growing up in Germany, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, I'm I'm living in, in Amsterdam. And also after studies, I stayed and played in several projects, set up my own band, uh, made several records uh, also with my own band, one record, and also started organizing events and uh, jazz sessions and uh, also a jazz festival called Jazz Fest Amsterdam, which is uh, happening in March 2018 for the seventh time Mm -hmm. already. So that's also kind of a uh, tradition already. And next to that, I also teach uh, uh, since a couple of years, I teach at the Conservatory of The Hague. Yeah. That's a short way of my biography. Yeah, um, uh, we've we've obviously got a lot of topics that we should go over, and um, I feel like maybe the most relevant now in time is to talk about um, Jazz Fest, which is sure. coming up um, for people listening. When this comes out, it's at the end of this week. It's on the seventeenth of March. Um, do you want to? We'll, well, yeah, we'll get to your music later. But do you want to talk about about how it came about? How did you start organizing this event? And yeah, then- sure. Um- <clears throat> Well, we, I say we because I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing that together with uh, Norbert Köching. He's my partner at the, at the festival, but I, I'm kind of the founder of the festival. I came up with the idea to do it as, a, let's say, a special place. And it's the place called Studio K, and it's actually a, a cinema house and a restaurant run by students from the University of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. So it has a kind of more alternative atmosphere there but they have halls and since i was uh, organizing a jam session there um, already as a master student at the conservatory uh i thought there's a potential in doing more at this place yeah um and that's why i came up with the the idea of a festival in general a jazz festival in general mm-hmm. at that place and that was in 2011 yeah and so in that year we did the first festival and the, my whole idea was that we we will that we try to create a festival in Amsterdam um, where we present all the different uh, genres and um, musical scenes actually which are in Amsterdam yeah. with a great variety of musicians and styles. Uh, on the one roof on one festival yeah because we have the bim house we have jazz at several places like like Zaal 100 uh, and and yeah. a lot of smaller places like that and we had different clubs some still um some still are, are still there and some disappeared and and there were also a lot of festivals in the city but not one really survived for more than a couple of years yeah and we tried to do it a little bit smaller but but really present the scene. Mm-hmm. So that was my idea, actually, to do. And then in 2011, we just I asked my friend Norbert to help um, because he's also good at this, and and we just did it. 
and it was a big success. And uh, since then, we got a little bit more professional and it was a big challenge and very exciting, of course. And since then, we do every year a festival and it's growing and we're growing as an organization. And it's, of course, a lot of work organizing stuff and getting funding and all kinds of stuff. But the fun part is when it happens yeah. and all the musicians are playing and, and, and the, the place is packed and it's an, and it's, it, it used to be a success until now. So that's that's a great for us and for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I always feel like the, well, like you say, you bring together all the different like scenes and aesthetics from, from the, the Amsterdam, well, the different Amsterdam scenes, because indeed there's, there's a lot of different types of, of jazz and improvised music that are happening here. And yeah. I feel like we don't necessarily meet each other all that often. Like I, um, that's maybe my favorite thing about coming to jazz fest is there's always all of your colleagues are all there at the same time and that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> like finally you get to talk to everybody and see what everybody's doing and there's there's a real sense of camaraderie. And I feel like it brings together the scene in a way that um, that very few events have. Um, so it's very really cool. Um, am I right that you, besides your conservatory studies, you actually studied cultural um, like management or something along those lines. So, uh, like, am I making that up? No, it's it's <laughs> right, it's right. But only for two semesters. Um, I did that during my first year of master studies. Mm-hmm. I also studied started a master in actually in Cologne. It was uh, kind of connected to the conser- conservatory of Cologne. Okay, and it was called arts management, and yeah. it was a, a special pro- program for actually artists and musicians and. Um, to to get more um, management um, skills. Yeah. And I was back then as a student already interested in also doing that and found that study and started. Um, kind of split between Amsterdam and Cologne, so I don't didn't really do it full time. Uh, but I stopped after two semesters because I went to New York to do a oh yeah of exchange. And after that. Um, I never really picked that up again. Yeah, but it feels for me it feels now that it was it was good to do it and it was definitely interesting. But just setting up your own festival is the best school you can ever get. Yeah. So you, I guess it 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 shows that you had interest in doing this stuff, but that's like maybe not along the. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. Cool. And so how um, how do you go about booking a festival like this? Like I'm interested. You talk about um bring together all the different scenes and there's also um an aspect of bringing together the established generation of musicians and um well basically several generations because you also bring in um like the the old guard so to speak and then you also bring in students and you've got a, a stage set up specifically for conservatory students i believe or at least you've you've had that in the past um more or less booking projects that that are both up and coming and things that are um established so how yeah what what is the approach there well <clears throat> i think the approach uh, kind of created it itself a little bit because in the beginning if you as we as musicians we, we know so many great projects and of course we have our own tastes but we also just try if i'm if i try to be objective i also just know what are the good projects here mm-hmm. in town and interesting people and players and stuff. And so in the beginning of the, 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 the whole thing why I did the pro- festival was that I had an idea about the program. Yeah. Okay. And 
so that was actually not so hard and I didn't really have to think about that so much because uh, there's so much you can choose from. It's more difficult to choose. Yeah. Um, I'm not running out of ideas actually un- until now. Mm. Um, but I think uh, what you mentioned with young talent and more older um, uh, musicians, more yeah. experienced or even famous people. Yeah. Well, the idea is that we put everybody on the festival in the, in, in the same way. Yeah. Um, of course, we have different halls, and some halls are bigger, and some also smaller. But uh, usually, we put also students in between more more known acts, mm-hmm. because what we felt also in the last years is that a lot of our audience they don't really care, and they <laughs> don't really know, which is a good thing. Yeah, because they just come very neutral or clear or however you want to call that to the festival and they're interested in the event in general and they're definitely also interested in the music but they don't they don't necessarily come for one band Mm. so they just check out different stuff and they might be as enthusiastic about a student band as they will be about very famous dutch player for instance yeah and that's something we notice and i'm really happy about it and that's a little bit the way I also try now to 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 um, to program, because if there are great bands and there are great bands at the conservatory or alumni who are just finished you know, from the young, yeah. younger generation, and who have a project and and it's 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 something original and, and and special, then you can just easily put it somewhere where also very famous and experienced people play. Yeah, and it's it's a perfect combination. So it's of course a little bit based on the experience and me as a musician knowing a lot of also younger musicians and knowing a lot of people from the scene um but it's also just just trusting that the the people will like it yeah and am i am i correct that um there's also like kind of premieres that happen like there are there are sort of projects that get either that get launched at jazz fest or things that are sort of put together as like a one night only event um you know uh, is is that something that you have a hand in like organizing i know there are festivals that work like that um i don't know that we necessarily approve of that approach sometimes which is we're going to pick four famous names and make a band out of them but that's never that's never seemed like that's what it was at, at, at jazz fest to me it's always like these are really interesting people and like what could they do together if we gave mm. them a stage and made them mm. do stuff. So am I correct that that's an approach that you have? Yeah, definitely. And that's something which which grew during the last years. Um, but again, uh, being a musician, I also know what musicians don't like. And one <laughs> of the parts is, is that you wouldn't like to say like, hey, you're going to play with that guy on the festival. <laughs> Otherwise you don't get the gig. Yeah. So that's that's not the, so cool. So what we, what we did is that we indeed kind of tried to introduce... Um, new combinations so to say but it's always based on what a certain artist uh would like to do yeah so it's more like that i you know for instance guitar player anton goudsmit i I just asked him once like what would you like to do as a special project something you didn't do before yeah and then he came up with something which was very successful not only on the festival but also afterwards so it kind of became a band and you probably remember that I asked the same to Tineke Posma once. Yeah. 
and, and and she put together a band which was a project which she really really wanted to do and and she was thankful for the chance yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and for us as a little festival it's so intimate it's actually great that people also can try out stuff yeah um so i, th- I see it more as a you know as something exp- something experimental mm-hmm. and since we are not north jazz you know we can do it and and it's very exciting yeah. for everybody no definitely um should we maybe talk about this year's um this year's edition so what um what do you have in store for us i've seen obviously i've seen all the names but maybe you want to talk about the program a bit yeah sure well if we go on with with that idea of combinations um it's it's you probably saw that it also got a little bit international mm-hmm. this year and that um, maybe this year it's for the first time that it's a real advanced jazz fest program as we maybe would wish. Yeah. Um, because uh, since a couple of years already, I know that Jesse von Ruller, the guitar player, has his great own trio with Clemens and Joris called Chamber Tones. Yeah, Joris Clemens von Fein. And they're all a ba- big fan of the singer Becca Stevens. Yeah. Who's getting extremely successful because she's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um <laughs> And I just tried to put that together because I thought that's a real jazz fest combination. Yeah. Which is also not coming from us, but it's, it's a wish of the band. Of yeah, yeah, Especially yeah. Jesse's uh, wish. And so this year it came out that, you know, Becca would be on tour in, <laughs> in Europe and, and she could make it. Yeah. And it just, you know, we just put it together and they were just enthusiastic about it because she's a musician and she likes to perform and she also wasn't enthusiastic about that idea so that's um let's say that's an international version of of our collaboration idea and and this year that perfectly worked out so that's let's say one of the main things happening this year where i'm really happy about for the rest we get a lot of other interesting uh collaborations also one was a guitar player peter bernstein yeah who happens to be in town and who will perform together with his colleague martin van Eetersen, which was his wish so that's great and yeah. we made that happen and and everybody's happy about that and they will also play with um, some some students with john engels who is a drum legend yeah he's, he's really living around the corner of the festival hmm. um and a lot of other bands, some great projects from from the conservatory also, or yeah. alumni students, or a mix of that. Uh, we will have we will have a collaboration between uh, Tony Roux, who's a piano player from Timmy and the Telephone, yeah. and uh, modern opera singer Nora Fisher. Yeah, who are both uh, um, uh, taking part in that splendor community yeah and they met kind of there and they have a project and we're happy to present that yeah, yeah. and also one with uh Wolfert Bredorado on piano mm-hmm. and uh, Rafael Vonoli on, on guitar and effects which will be something very yeah um, effectful I'm, I guess I'm very curious about that actually yes. and it's um, also a new project yeah um so there's a lot actually we have four stages with each four concerts uh I couldn't name. Yeah, many of course. More. There's a whole list, and people should go to the website and 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 check it out. But yeah. um, um, it's definitely a great lineup this year. Uh, there's one um, another thing regarding Jazz Fest is, and this started a couple of years ago, I guess. You also have a kids program now. Um, yeah, you do concerts in the afternoon. Do you want to 
discuss how that came about, what the idea was behind that? Well, the idea was actually that, you know, the the, the place is, is Studio K is nice and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, mothers or uh, parents come there with their kids and we thought it maybe would be nice to also just, just do something for the little generation mm-hmm. since we already try to get in a young public and we thought like, okay, well, let's, what can we do for the even younger people? Um, so it's a little workshop slash concert slash jam session for kids and actually in two groups between even starting with four to eight years old and then going from eight to 12. Yeah. And they get kind of the chance to improvise and also perform yeah. and, and on on their own and also together with the people who lead the workshop. And this year is going to be Nadine Strang. She's a singer and yeah. doing this more often. The past years we also had like jazz musicians doing or even bands doing it. So um, that's the idea. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's funny. It seems like it's more and more of a common like new thing in festivals now, I think. Like the family program. Yeah. Um, there's so much... Uh, um, so much to be gotten out of that, I feel like, you know, investing in the youth and all that kind of idea. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, and unless you've got more stuff you want to mention about the, the, the festival, maybe we should move on to your own yeah, artistic, sure. um, <laughs> output. Yeah. I think, I think people can find the festival on, on jazzfestamsterdam.nl. Yeah. And there the whole program is listed and then you find all the info about the artists and, and, yeah, and, yeah. and the new and older combinations and everything. Yeah. yeah, there'll be links to that in the show notes and on the website. So you can just go there and you'll find uh, find links to it. Um, so you, I don't think we need to um, talk about this for too long, but you are the drummer for Brut, which we've already spoken about with Martin Hohenhaus a, a few episodes ago. Um but outside of that, and it's funny because I feel like it's a very similar conversation to the one that I had with Martin, which is that Brute is one side of his aesthetic and one side of your aesthetic. But then I look at the your projects, especially projects as a leader, and they seem completely different to that. There's a like something even quite not very drummer-like to your music. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, um, I think so. I think so. Um yeah, well, that, I, I I made one record as a leader. Yeah, I would know about that. I <laughs> and you know that. And, uh, um, and that's already a couple of years ago. And since then, I didn't really pick that up again. Also, maybe also because of being busy with other projects, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was writing music more intensely, I I think... You know, it, it's it's a combination of, you know, my, um, let's say my my way of writing being more melodic, which mm-hmm. I like, and just sitting, you know, on with the piano and just writing melodies and stuff, and well, yeah, not being drummer like that's I, I the technical side of writing music, which is difficult for me as a drummer, was never my big interest, and. Uh, of course, I get the chance to play this kind of music with challenging me my very much, but mm-hmm. I do that with other people already yeah. a lot. And you know, when I was writing my own music, I yeah, maybe I got a little bit more sentimental or something. <laughs> and and yeah. that's just the way that's that's the way I felt writing uh, is the right way for me. Yeah. Um. And so, what um, 
in, in preparation for this, I, I checked out a few projects that you've been busy with lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we should um, talk about each of them separately. Um, mm. Maybe starting with something called Wonder Years. It's a trio you've got with um, Jasper Blum and Sean Fasciani, which is saxophone, bass and drums. Um, and so, yeah, do you, do you want to talk about that? I feel like Jasper has been a bit of a through line in your career to a degree. Like you guys have been working together throughout for quite a few projects now, various things, and they're always quite interesting and different. So maybe you can mm. talk a bit about that relationship and, and, the, and yeah. the band itself. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I think I, I feel lucky that I have kind of this connection with Jasper, who used to be my teacher when I was back back in school. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, he teaches saxophone and, and ensembles yeah, at the was conservatory. An ensemble teacher for me, mm-hmm. um, um, and well, we played together for for years already, and, and we used to jam in his in his studio, and you know <laughs> just practice with the two two of us and. Do thing and play sessions and just you know in cafes you know, the usual stuff. Yeah. Also with Sean for years already for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, I with Jasper I have also another project which was like the 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 mechanical dock bands. Yeah. That's how it's Great called. Name. And we actually <laughs> made this kind of band version of uh, Schubert's uh, Schöne Müllerin, which was yeah. a very big thing actually and a long process and very interesting and um, that was also a little bit on the or pretty much on the leadership of jasper yeah but this trio is more like being the trio for a long time and we kind of had an idea of just kind of creating a program mm-hmm. as you might want to say it and yeah. that's working on stevie wonder tunes yeah because we all love it and especially jasper has a very intense history with that music and he always wanted to do something with it, and and we just did it with that band. Yeah, and we kind of arranged Steve Wonder's music in all kinds of ways uh, mm-hmm. for a saxophone trio. And yeah, it's very exciting and it's playful, and it's yeah, it's great. It's cool. Is that like does the arranging process? Um, is it like a collaborative thing? Do you guys work out all the stuff together, or is it coming from different? Both. Yeah. Sometimes we work on stuff together, especially on the details, of course. Um, until now, usually everybody brings in ideas, mm-hmm. but and maybe Jasper the most, because he's really brilliant also in harmonically rearranging stuff. Yeah. That's something I just can't do. But, I mean, we all brought in ideas for arrangement and also literally arrangements. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I... I listened to a few tracks um, that you guys recorded of that music. And if you had not told me this is Stevie Wonder's music, I feel like half of it I would not have recognized. Mm-hmm. And the other half of it I would have recognized, to, like maybe at the very end of the tune, been like, wait a minute, this is this sounds familiar. I don't know if I would have put my finger on it necessarily. Um, so I guess my question is, what is it about like Stevie's music that appeals so much and then how like how do you conserve that within the context that is obviously very different like instrumentally and also like what well, sound wise and you you're changing tempos you're changing grooves you're changing like harmonies mm. um what what is it that stays there and and um well i think that also changes from tune to tune some of the arrangements are really you know um going quite far and just you know doing something else with the tune yeah some stay really 
kind of close to the original, at least to um, you know the melody part, for instance. So that that really depends. Mm. I think the for us and what also I what I also like is that uh, that you know people know that it's the music of Stevie Wonder. And yeah. Usually when we play, we don't tell them what kind of tunes we play. <laughs> so they they gotta give us a list of tunes in the end of the gig, and then we check if if they're oh, right. Yeah. And if they're right, they can they can win a ticket to the next yeah. show. <laughs> that's that's funny. We have a um, similar thing with Tin Men where we play a guessing game with the audience, where the audience has to listen and guess what tune we're playing. Okay. And I've I've noticed it's it's the best trick ever to get an audience to pay extremely close attention to what's right. going on. Like as soon as you play the game of we're not going to tell you what it is, but you should know what it is. Suddenly right. you get attention. Yeah. So that it's very cool. Yeah, that's that's fun. But but it's also it's also fun for us because you know you know you can play. We we maybe don't play so different than if we would play standards or other material, yeah. um, because we open it up so much for just playing and improvise. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's something in these tunes that people might know. Yeah. So there is indeed what you just mentioned. There is a different connection and also a good kind of tension uh, in the audience through that. And I we like that we really much. So it's not really like pleasing your audience because we kind of <laughs> kind of do too much to the tunes. Yeah. But it's also nice for an audience to like, oh, now I recognize it. It's that yeah. tune, and I, I mean, and then they also find it interesting what you can do with the tune like yeah, that. Yeah, of so course. I mean, there's even kind of an education part in that. That's yeah. like, oh, that's how jazz works. You can you can do whatever with the tune mm-hmm. without raping it or something, but just you know, just doing something different, and it's still the tune in yeah. a way. Yeah. So that's. The more general aspect, and I think for Jasper, it was he, he always, you know, what I mentioned in the beginning, he always wanted to do something like that. And he always found that the, the actually harmonically, a lot of these tunes are really nice to play on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That, so that's how the whole idea came up. Yeah. And so, what have, have you guys been performing in like, like regular jazz settings or is it something that reaches like outside? Like, what is the, what's the reception been like? Like, how, well, until now, it's, it's you know it's a fresh project. So we didn't play playing that much. We yeah. played during the last two months a little bit more, and that's that's a concert series. It's a jazz club that can be a cafe too. Mm-hmm. So all kinds of stuff. Yeah, nothing nothing super fancy until now. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, maybe we we can talk about um some other other stuff that you've been up to. Um, I. I recently played a show in duo with uh, with Bram Stathouders, and he's also hmm. been on the show um, talking about his organ, um, street organ project, project and stuff. And he actually mentioned while we were driving to the gig that you guys had um, had like been playing, and it's kind of fascinating because it's um, it's one of the rare occasions when you would get to see him perform with his brother Jasper Stathouders, right. um, and. In preparation for this, you also mentioned this and, and sent me some recordings, which is great because I would, I wouldn't have gotten a chance to hear it. Um, I don't think there's anything out there for people to to check out um, oh, so okay. far. Um, but that's a long-winded instructions to say that you have um, been working with those two guys, the Stathouse brothers and Wolford Brederode, who's been mentioned before, mm-hmm. um, piano player who, uh, amongst well, people may know him from his ECM. Um, releases and stuff um do you want to talk a bit about that what's what was the um history of that how did you guys come together and stuff yeah well there there was um there was actually a pretty 
concrete lead towards that project and there was um that i and jasper stadthouses as pretty opposite or different musicians we were asked together to um to curate uh, a BIM lab evening at the BIM house. Yeah, that's Monday evenings, right? Monday. Yeah, it's usually on Mondays, and they, you know, I'm a member of the BIM, which is the yeah. old. Um, yeah. How the, would you say that in English? Uh, collective of, uh, I mean, it's like the. Well, anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't come up, but yeah, I mean, basically of the of the uh, of the collective of people working with and around the BIM house, uh, right? And it's musicians, kind of an and improvisation um, of improvising musicians, yeah. And it's very, uh, yeah, I don't know the English word to be honest. Anyway, so they organize this monthly event at the BIM BIM mm-hmm. house cafe where they ask to one or two members to just put put together a band and and, and create something. There, and I was lucky to be asked uh, one and a half years ago together with Jasper. Yeah. So, and I know Jasper, of course, but we also, I mean, for sure, played together once. But usually, our musical paths are kind of different. Yeah. And um, we thought of a band, and and I thought, would it be something to play with your brother? Because I heard him a couple of times, and I never played with him, and I thought that would be exciting too. And same goes for Wolfert, actually. Yeah. I played once with him. And uh, I, like, I also like him as a piano player. And so uh, it's actually, in a way, it was a little bit random yeah. just putting together four people. Yeah. And, and then, then we played. And it, we, we, but what happened, well, to be honest, I have to say, of course, I thought about these are then pretty much four different musicians mm-hmm. coming on stage together, which can be interesting for an occasion like that. Yeah. Of course, I thought about that a little bit. So, but what happened was exactly that. Everybody brought in different tunes, which were really diff- different, and yeah. everybody approaches those tunes very different. Mm-hmm. And what you get is this kind of mixture of crazy improv, and uh, which is very challenging for me and exciting. And But soundscapes where Jasper is like a big hero in with all these effects on the guitar and, yeah. you know, more melodic stuff and compositions and a lot of improv. And so it goes just kind of everywhere, which is which was very surprising. Yeah. And I liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, so did I, what I heard today. I, I, I expected, um, and maybe that's a wrong expectation, but I expected the free improv side of things to take over because it often does in these situations. Like it's, it feels like um, when free improv stuff is happening, it's easier to go towards that rather than drag it away from that towards maybe more structured or more like even like just pretty like simpler kind of um textures and stuff but somehow it really navigates those two worlds really well um and I, yeah i find that really exciting and so what um have you guys done more than that since then yeah yes and no we we, we did play again uh, after that and there is there's still the the wish to play more yeah uh, but it didn't really happen and i think it's okay mm-hmm. um it will come yeah and we're, we're I'm, I'm working on it and and um, you know we're in, we're in touch i'm in touch with the guys but everybody's busy and since everybody's you know it, it, we talked about it in the jazz fest context since everybody's busy in very different scenes also yeah you know you, it's easy to lose yeah. each other and especially if everybody's busy luckily 
but I'm, you know, I hope that it's, you know, that the project will get a lift at a certain moment because it's just fun. Yeah, no, definitely. And very different from, I mean, again, so many different things that you're up to and that, that right. specifically is very, yeah. um, it's just so interesting for me, like from the stuff that I heard, um, you guys played some compositions that I've played within the context mm-hmm. of your quintet and, and you get a completely different, um, vibe from it, um, and maybe that speaks to the way you compose, which is that it's sufficiently open-ended to allow whether it's an ensemble like this or a more traditional one to come together and actually make make music on the spot. Out yeah, of it. yeah, that's uh, certainly a lot of my compositions are so much based on certain melodies, and then you can go everywhere. But it's also, I think, the wish, my own wish, that. Of, of playing in a band like that to just explore how far I can go as a player and what I like and what I don't like and how comfortable I can be or will be when I go into more free contacts, um, mm-hmm. uh, contacts, uh, even, even with my own tunes. So I also feel like that, that the music I wrote for, for the record is of course, you know, I still like the record. I actually recently listened back after years, <laughs> but um, I still like it. But it's, of course, it can have, you always develop as a player. And, and, and now I would do it differently than back, than back then, of course. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's maybe also a little answer to why I find that project interesting. Um, uh, and also maybe also an answer to why why I play with Jasper and Trio, which is also very open. Yeah, so everything is open in that in those arrangements, and and I feel more and more how how much I like it. Mm-hmm. And, and not to be like crazy experimental or stuff, but just to you know work with the freedom of of, of an arrangement of just of improvising. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and it's interesting to see that that development somehow since the record and and where things have gone since. Um, is there any other uh, is there any other projects stuff that you've been doing as a sideman? Um? Yeah, yeah, there are a couple of projects uh, as a sideman I do, um, especially for a longer period already. One is the the, um, the band of a piano player called Philip Rutgers. Oh yeah, um, oh. Alison Alison Phillips was on the yeah, show. Yeah, she's, a few she's on the record. Much. Yeah, and. Um, that's a nice band and I play with Philip already for years. Uh, um, he used to live in Arnhem and I think he's also, or he's teaching there at the conservatory, but now living in Amsterdam and it's a, it's a band septet with four horns and, mm-hmm. um, well, he writes really uh, interesting and challenging compositions yeah. for that band and we made two records already and yeah, I, th- I think it's still growing and, and, and going somewhere and it's a great project. I really enjoy it. And it's for me as a player, uh, that's, that's for instance, music would challenge me also, yeah. which is more difficult, but still nice and mm-hmm. musical in my uh, objective. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, and I also play big band, which is again, a different kind of thing. Oh um, yeah. yeah. Since yeah. years I already play with the big band of John Reinders, who's a great composer from the East of the country. Uh, it's called the Millennium Jazz Orchestra. It's a great big band with amazing players. And we we play his music and his arrangements. Uh, and I'm in that band already for years. And that's my old love for playing big band music, which yeah. I kind of developed during my, my conservatory stu- uh, studies. And 
since Big Band is kind of a dying out uh, art form, mm-hmm. uh, I'm also happy to be able to play regularly in in a band which is which is playing interesting material. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's also an, another way different of different side of my uh, musical interests. Yeah. Um- there's something that um, I just realized that we didn't really touch upon much, but um, you talking about Philip. Philip's also a, a German expat who is um, obviously well integrated into the um, the Dutch scene and all that stuff. Um, how how did that go for you? And, and also maybe what what was the where <laughs> maybe weird question like why come to the Netherlands? Um, Mm. you could ask the same question of me, I suppose, but (laughs) why come to the Netherlands, um, especially coming from a country like Germany, like Germany has got a huge scene and a huge tradition and a lot of stuff. Like what, is it just happenstance? Did things just happen that made you, um, like feel like this was the place for you? And it seems like you, you're one of the most integrated, uh, people here maybe that's it. yeah, but that's coincidence because I've never been to Holland before. Okay. Uh, there's no connection between my family uh, and, 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 and Holland. Nowhere in the whole family history. Mm. Um, I've been in Amsterdam once, one day uh, with, uh, with high school. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Um, so indeed, yeah, that's funny. Um, I grew up in the west of Germany, so Holland is not far away. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one point. Yeah. Um, but... Actually, when I finished high school, I had to do a civil service in Germany. So I had one year to think yeah. about what I want to do. And I was really active as a musician during my music school career, as I always call it, um, both as a classical player and as a, as a jazz and especially rock and whatever, goof, okay. drummer. So class, like classical percussion? Classical percussion, wow. yes. I did a lot of, not like orchestra work, but a lot of, lot of solo percussion, marimba music and yeah. stuff. I did a lot of comp- competitions also. And um, also had for years, was doubting if I want to go more into the drum direction or yeah. go more the classical direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the end, drumming and the more open idea of just playing jazz and studying that, that triggered me more. Yeah. And... And then you go through that um, entrance exam period, you know, and you don't usually you don't do that at one school. Yeah, you do that at more school because you never know yeah, uh, yeah, if of they course. take you or if there's space or nothing. And I have I had not so much um, experience with jazz and the scenes in general because I was mm-hmm. coming from a small town, and you know, actually my musical experience in in jazz and stuff was not so big. Mm-hmm. So what happened is that I. I thought about Cologne, I thought about Berlin, mm-hmm. and I thought about Amsterdam because a friend of mine from the same music school was studying here. Okay. And and I also know that some of the teachers I had from that music school um, studied in what was Hilversum back in the years. So oh, the, yeah, the yeah. old the Amsterdam Conservatory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I knew the school. Yeah. And they also told me, just go there and, and do the entrance exam. And I went there. And they took me and somehow I liked it. And I somehow also liked the, the city and, and so that the, so it happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. actually it was total coincidence. Yeah. I could have gone to Cologne. Yeah. 
but in Cologne that year they didn't they didn't invite for um, for entrance exams. Oh, okay. So because I actually wanted to go to Cologne because I didn't know better actually. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's a little bit the <laughs> that story. Yeah. How I got here. And then, so yeah. you. Yeah, I, I understand why why you you got here, but then the choice to stay was, I guess, you had enough work and you were doing enough stuff, and yeah. Well, again, you know that 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 ma- the management study was in Cologne, oh, yeah. so yeah, there yeah. was still that connection somehow. But in the end, you know, I did the great, uh, I got the great chance to to study for one semester at the Manhattan School of Music as an exchange from the conservatory here. Yeah. And when I came back, you know, my will to just be musicians became bigger. And, you know, and then you finish your studies and you, you get more busy, luckily, and you get mm-hmm. jobs. And then the band Brood was founded. Yeah. And you start playing and... And there was never a moment where I thought, like, now I want to leave because yeah. there was always something kind of growing and happening, and and I also liked it. I yeah. mean, I like the city, and uh, it's close to where I'm from, so that's you also you know you don't get homesick so much because yeah. <laughs> you can go if you really want to go to Germany. I always can go easily. Yeah, that's true. So that's the reason and now i'm yeah i'm so much in the scene and i have uh, you know, my girlfriend and everything so now it seems really weird thinking yeah. going away yeah of, of course going away. Yeah. yeah no that makes sense to me i mean i i feel very much the same so yeah. it's uh but it's always interesting to to speak to people like that because i i speak to people who are like some people that I've spoken to are more in that stage now of realizing whether or not they've actually made that commitment to being here. Um, and it, it seems like it, it makes a lot of sense in your case that you are. Um, maybe we can, you mentioned it at the very beginning that uh, as one of the things that you do, um, you teach at the conservatory in The Hague. Yeah. Um, do you want to like broach that subject a bit? Um, it's, um, it's quite it's quite an honor, I suppose, to get a chance to teach in in such a prestigious yeah. place. Yeah, I'm very happy that that I get the, got the chance to do that, and I'm proud of the drum deep jazz department, of course, and teaching drums mm-hmm. already since a couple of years. And it it happened like it happens these days uh, more often. You know, you kind of sub for somebody, or you get in touch with the school, and I did mm-hmm. that for years, and that they would call me and takes a long time until you get something which is something like a contract in yeah. these days and then also the contract doesn't mean anything anymore it's so i hope i will uh, be able to teach <laughs> also for the next years uh, because yeah. nothing is sure these days that's unfortunately how it is yeah uh, but it is a great uh, honor and it's it's big fun for me to teach mm-hmm. i did teach since i um, I think since I'm 18, I, I, I was teaching at mu- music schools. Not yeah. so much, but always as kind of a job. Mm-hmm. And I liked it, but I always knew also that teaching kids is not what I want. Yeah, And that was more to, to have a job and to, to pay the rent. So yeah, sure. have a, at least a little bit of money extra. And I never did that so much, only a couple of hours a week, because I didn't want to get it kind of... I didn't want to have that in that that has influence on what I actually want to do. Yeah. So I didn't want to teach like for four days a week or something. Mm. Um, but the difference is that teaching students who are working with the instrument on a much higher level, who are interested in jazz music, who have their own preferences and interests, that's really great. That's really great. And I really enjoy it. And yeah. I, I learn maybe sometimes more than they do. And <laughs> And it's a cliche, but it's really true because you're 
by preparing something or and also by just talking about if it's technical problems or just musical things you rethink so much of the stuff we already learned yeah that that you well you get back to a lot of stuff also in the in my practice room you just get back to a lot of things and you re- you think more about what, why you would make music and stuff so that's it's really cool. Yeah. No. It's the old adage about how you you know that you've truly mastered something when you can actually teach it. So that, that I guess that makes sense in a way. Yeah. Maybe and I, I also enjoy you know um coaching s- students and yeah. also kind of being organized. I'm uh, as a teacher I would say that about myself. I'm pretty mm-hmm. much organized because I want them to also really achieve something yeah. and give them material and, and stuff so i also like that part you know yeah. just yeah it's cool and do you, does that mean you also get exposed to a bunch of music that you would not necessarily be exposed to like are they bringing stuff in that you would not necessarily seek out by yourself and that kind of thing yeah sometimes uh yes of course sometimes with master students i come with stuff i just don't know and yeah. that's very interesting with the younger students sometimes you go back in history and you read you know you, oh, yeah. you learn about the old stuff again because they're listening to that stuff yeah and th- that's cool yeah. yeah that's definitely both sides yeah yeah it's funny that um and this is maybe a uh I don't, I don't know how awkward of a topic this is but the specifically the Hague Conservatory has a reputation as being quite a traditional place right mm-hmm. um, do you feel like that is still the case like does is there still a huge emphasis on tradition over there um, like how do you experience that place like different from Amsterdam for example and I can imagine bringing in somebody like you is already a step in a slightly different direction um, yeah, but then but- again there must be a, a team of people there with all kinds of different yeah, well, the the city itself has has a history which is, is very has a very tra- traditional jazz history in, yeah. in Holland, and there's still a lot of players in the scene in and around the Hague who who, who play that music. Um, but if you look at the school, uh, of course, it also goes a little bit that direction, the more traditional direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but concerning, you know, or kind of. Um, if if you look at other schools in in the bigger conservatories in in Holland, I think that the traditional approach is always there. Yeah. Um, some other schools in in Europe have a different approach, uh, but here in Holland we're pretty much you know um, based on 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 the tradition. Yeah. And I think um, students usually. You know, students do all kinds of stuff yeah. also in The Hague. I mean, they like playing standards and of course they grow up in a little bit more uh, in a smaller scene than here in Amsterdam and mm-hmm. it's more traditional, of course, and what happens, happens at the jazz uh, sessions. So mm-hmm. they grow, grow up a little bit more with that stuff, but on the same side, they do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, uh, things change and... For me as a teacher, I also feel that I think if you study jazz and you want to you want to learn the instrument and the music, you gotta study its tradition first. I mean, yeah. that's that's something I, I'm also really convinced of. Um, also in a technical way, it's it's just you you gotta learn the craft also at least for a while because otherwise you, it's it's not impossible to um, to really explore your instruments and and and, and in the end then it won't be possible to really um, um, play what you really want to play and and, and um, 
expose yourself yeah. on the instrument. So yeah, you, yeah. Need, you need that basis, and I think I think yeah. and yeah. And I, but it's an it's a challenge because uh, <laughs> now we have Spotify. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> luckily, jazz history is not so long, but it's getting longer with every year. Yeah. And there's a lot of music around, and yeah. I feel it as a challenge also to to talk about that about with students because they don't know where to start and yeah. there's no limit they can just access everything yeah, of on course. one click and that's a big challenge to say kind of limit yourself and say okay I want to listen to that yeah. and I also want to listen to the new stuff but I also want to know you know why yeah, this drummer played like that and and you know who was yeah. influencing him and stuff and so yeah it is it is a challenge to um kind of uh, focus on something in jazz history. If it's from now or from 80 years ago, that doesn't matter so much. Yeah. It's funny you mention that. I mean, it's not something that occurred to me much, but I remember I used to have a, when I first started getting into jazz, I had a teacher who was like a jazz history teacher. And every week he would lend each student one record, like we'd get one CD to take home and bring back the next week. And we'd just listen to that one record for a week. And I guess that's not, that's not at all the common experience anymore. Like everybody's, exposed to everything all the time and probably no longer even listening to records as a one like piece and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Is that something that you're trying to advocate still or do you? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's actually for me, it's, that's very important. Um, because Spotify is great because it's a big, like I see it as a big library Yeah. and for students, of course, it's amazing. But if you're only, you know, search for one tune, and you don't really know from which record it is and from which year it is and who's playing on the record, mm -hmm. then you're missing the whole context of, of jazz history. Yeah. And then it will be, yeah, I think it's, it's impossible to really have an overview. And, and, uh, and again, if you don't have that, I think it's also very, um, very difficult to find your own way if you don't really know what's, what happened already. Yeah. Um, so yes, I, I, I'm very strict on that. Mm -hmm. That they gotta know the the records, and, uh, and if they come with something, they gotta know from which record it is. And you know, <laughs> and we were lucky; we always would remember the covers of the CDs at least, or the, yeah. the records. So then you always have a picture when you listen to something. You yeah. always have something, and that that's that's a little bit gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, it's interesting the evolution of stuff. It's obviously great that there's this access to knowledge and all that stuff, but with it comes different. Uh, different challenges um folks as we um reach the end of this conversation i always like to ask my guests if there's anything that they would like to recommend people check out it doesn't have to be anything music related it can be a movie a book um anything an exhibition you might have been to i don't know mm. um anything that comes to mind well something very actual i i just luckily went to berlin last weekend finally after some years and I like the city very much, and um, I well Berlin in general. I can recommend, but yeah, more, sp more specific is that there are some some smaller jazz clubs in uh, in the area called Neukölln, mm -hmm. and one of the clubs is called uh, Donau One Hundred and Fifteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a great place, and it's just something. Um, actually, just being just as a place. It's very special compared to places we know here in Amsterdam, for instance, uh, because the creator 
an atmosphere which is being a bar very you know very special for musicians and the people who come they would have like total respect for the music and would listen and it's but it's it's still a loose atmosphere but it's there's so much focus on on the art in that yeah. space i was actually surprised mm. because here in holland we are kind of used to different ways of listening to music yeah uh, and that's that's a pity sometimes so that's one thing and the other one is what i really liked is the the egyptian collection in the the new museum mm-hmm. in in berlin which is just great okay and it's very actionable that's where i come with that because i, I enjoyed it so much and yeah yeah cool so some berlin centric tips for you yeah. guys if uh, if anybody's over there um Cool, Felix. Is there any um, anything that we missed? What what are things that we can expect from you coming up in the near future? Um, anything you want to talk about? Well, hopefully, I you know we'll get the chance to 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 write something again, music, mm-hmm. uh, come up with something own, and the projects we we talked about will hopefully grow and and, and keep on playing, and uh, of course, Brute also will go on. So that's, that's yeah, something certainly. which is always uh, going on. Luckily. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of hope that, 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 you know, time will bring new, uh, challenges yeah. and, and the, the most, um, um, actual is, is the jazz fest coming up in a little less than four weeks or in four weeks and yeah, well, that will not be four weeks when they hear this, but, uh, four weeks from when we record this, which gives yes. you a bit of a look behind so in the, middle the of, scenes of March. 17th of March, is that yes. correct? Yeah. So that's, of course, uh, also very exciting that this yeah. happens again. Maybe, uh, uh, sorry, I, I, it's a bit strange to ask a question now, but um, you guys changed when it's happening. It used to be in the sort of autumn. Yeah. It used to be in what, October, November time? Yeah. And now now it's moved to spring. Is there, like, why, why did you do that? Is there... A- well, it has different reasons. Uh, I can tell you very shortly... Um, the festival is depending on on, on on funding, of course. Yeah. And um, we were lucky to get into a program of like a two-year run of, of funding from the from the uh, local Amsterdam Fonds voor de Kunst, how it's called in Dutch. Yeah. And so that's really cool. And when, that means that you get the chance to do the festival again. If you don't get any funding, you, it's impossible to, to, yeah, of to course. do a festival. Yeah. Um, and then we th- we thought about okay let's we get the chance now to make it even more professional and to grow as an organization and to really set down something cool and you know we really want to sell out the festival et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. and then we thought about also about the date and the funny thing is that during the last six years Amsterdam as a city got so popular mm. not only on the tourists but also for, for people who live here or who live in Holland that all, all kinds of events kind of were created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, most of these events happen in autumn. Okay. <laughs> so that's the answer to your question. Yeah. Uh, because it's 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 really busy. Yeah. And we feel that that you that's difficult to to just reach people. For instance, on social media, they just you know they 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 can't play plan ahead. And in spring, there's not so much happening. Mm-hmm. And. Until now, it seems to work because, you know, people would buy tickets in January already and, yeah. and because they have kind of sites uh, on until March yeah. and they know that they, they have time. Uh, so it seems a little bit more quiet period. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. So I, I take it that future editions will also most likely be. Hopefully, yes. Um, if this one is a success, which I can only imagine it will be, because it's always been. Yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah. Always been a packed event and and quite a highlight, I think, for the scene every year. Felix, um, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, oh, thank you for having me. If you uh, ever have anything else you want to talk about, when and when the uh, new record or new project and things uh, come out, please be my guest again. Cool. Thank you. That was Felix Schlamann. Once again, Jazz Fest Amsterdam happens this Saturday, 17th of March at Studio K. That's 2018 for those listening in the future. If you go to standalmoment.com, you'll find show notes and you'll also find links to Felix's website as well as the website of the festival. And I really do recommend supporting this initiative and coming out to hear some great live music, both during this edition and any future editions for years to come. I would like to thank my fellow members of Catrio for providing intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear them. I do enjoy feedback. So please do reach out to me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver or via the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook. The best way to support the show remains to subscribe to it, either in iTunes, Stitcher or via an RSS reader. And of course, going and giving a favorable rating in stars and a favorable review um, wherever it is that you choose to listen to this show. Or of course, um, as always, word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the audience. So just tell a friend. I leave you with a very exclusive extract of music played by the quartet we discussed that features Felix Schlamann, Wolfert Brederode, Bram Stadthouders and Jasper Stadthouders. This was the very first time these guys played together and as you'll hear, it's a live recording. This is part of a composition by Felix that's called Eternity. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment.